Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I'm here today with my friend, Craig Case. Craig is a speaker, a trainer, an author, and he just came out with this fabulous new book called Big Ideas. And it's not a book of big ideas. It's a book about how big ideas happen. Mm. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah. Craig, welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. Good to be with you. I am just so thrilled to uh, be able to share what we've done here and to share it with your audience and my audience. Thank you, Paul. I am so honored to have you here, Craig, because as you and I have talked, I've noticed that we're on a similar mission. Uh, we want to help people understand principles that will expand their life, that will increase their joy, and that will help all of us collectively to do a better job bringing value to other people. Hmm. You've put together some ideas in this book, Big Ideas, which you co-authored with Jennifer... Jennifer Beckstrand. Beckstrand, who's an amazing author in her own right. Oh, yeah. And She's she, the best. She makes you look really good. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's exactly right. So um, as you've put together this book, Big Ideas, this is based on research about how our brain works. And there have been big ideas through our history, really, that it would be tempting to look at people like Einstein or Edison or um, even some of our contemporary thinkers who come up with big ideas, and it would be easy to say, oh, well, they're geniuses, or Hmm. they've got something that I don't have. But at the end of the day, we all have a brain, and that brain operates according to some principles that when we understand those principles, we can create some different outcomes. Mm. What have you learned, Craig, in, in putting this book together about how to operate the equipment? That's a, that's a great question. You know, the, the, the discoveries that we had, when we first went down the road of, of researching this topic, really didn't have any idea that it would lead where it went. Uh-huh. But, but what we discovered in the process, and it was really a, a, a discovery on, on how inspiration takes place, but in the broader sense, what happens when you have a moment of insight, uh, an epiphany, or uh, just a, an aha moment, as it's generally called? Yeah. And, and what, what are the precursors to that? And do those ideas change things? And what we discovered are, is that there are patterns that all these people throughout history, they seem to have followed similar patterns to get to their big ideas. Right. And, yeah. there, and you know, for every big idea that changed the world, there are probably a billion big ideas that changed somebody's life, you know, that nobody yeah. knows about, but they were significant in, in making a difference to that person. Right. And so part of the message is, 
You know, although we all want to be Einsteins or want our children to be, but for the most part, we all have challenges that that are bigger than we are. And that was the that was the other yeah. interesting thing that we discovered was that all these epiphanies, they're driven by one of two things, either a serious problem or a big question. We call them high stakes questions. If you if you look at Einstein, right. Einstein, his question was, uh, what happens if I ride a light beam? Uh, Sir Isaac Newton's questions was, if the apple falls, how come the moon doesn't fall too? You know, what, what's going on? And, and these mm-hmm. were questions that they asked that ultimately drove the answers that, that changed everything in physics for, for these folks. Right. So, so our, our discoveries were problems drive epiphanies or insights. And everybody has them. <laughs> everybody has problems. Everybody has problems. Not everybody has epiphanies. Mm. And that's because of the way our brain operates. That's right. Is that fair? No, that's absolutely fair. We all have a brain. And those brains operate according to certain principles. The epiphany is driven... I, I, I love where you started with this. Craig, because problems, thinking that the problem is a problem, is a problem. (laughs) Amen. That's right. I think I got that from Captain Jack Sparrow in the Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) We all have problems. Thinking that the problem is a problem, well, that's a problem. Because the problem actually creates an opportunity and sets in motion a series of events that could eventually lead to a breakthrough or an epiphany. See, see, what you're talking about is really important. First of all, to have that eyesight, that understanding that, that we all have problems, but to understand, too, that there are, for every problem, there's probably infinite possibilities in terms of solutions to those problems. We can either right. find bad solutions, or if we're willing to do the work, we can find stellar solutions. And the book is, how do you find those best solutions? <laughs> we don't frame yeah. it that way. But, but getting back to your original question, how does the brain work? Mm-hmm. Um, the brain has evolved over hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. And there are ways to use the brain that drive insight mm-hmm. that in a world we live in right now, we are doing the things that inhibit insight rather than expand it. So our solution is not only are there ways to get better answers, mm-hmm. but those answers can be can come more often. Yes. <laughs> what you're referring to here, Craig, gets back to some basic brain science and some advanced brain science. But if we were to simplify it, our brain has different modes of operation. Hmm. And those different modes are very useful for particular applications and not for others. Let, yeah. Hey, that's a, if it, there are five brain states that they've identified going from slowest to fastest delta is when you're sleep, a deep okay. sleep and you're storing. Yeah. Theta, Greek letters to identify. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Theta is when you're dreaming or in, and have rapid eye movement, REM sleep. That's what mm-hmm. they call it. Alpha is when you're daydreaming, you're conscious, you might, you're awake, but it's when your brain has slowed down. 
Beta is where we spend most of our time. This beta states when we're gathering information, when we're about conscious activity, when we're working, when we're... It's very active, very engaged. Yep, yep it's fast. And then the right. fastest brain state is gamma. And gamma is when insights come. Okay. Okay. But in order to get gamma experiences, we have to have plenty of alpha experiences. And most of us have eliminated alpha either because of habit or because we think we, we, we think that's lazy. And actually, that's when the brain is doing its best work. I had an interview right here on the mics with James Garrett a while back. I don't know if you know James. But I don't know. He has studied this uh, same brain science, and he talks about brain-friendly activities and activities that are not so friendly to mm. your brain mm. in terms of stimulating this creative process. Um, I thought of an example. In fact, you shared this with me earlier, Craig, about uh, times when we're we're not actively engaged. So you're at the grocery store. You've been actively going around, following your list, pulling things from the shelf, getting them in your car, and then you go to the checkout line. You go to the checkout line, and we always pick the slowest line. <laughs> <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> That's another given. Not on purpose, but we do. And so we're standing there, we're watching the other line click along, and, and we're frustrated with ourselves. So instead of downshifting, and allowing the moment, we it, it, in fact, the, the term is mindful. Mindfulness, being present. Yep, yep. In the here, in the now. We, we pull the phone out and we either look at our emails, we go through our Facebook posts or Instagram or whatever we're doing, but we keep ourselves in a beta state rather than allowing that more natural alpha yeah. state to show up. See, see, the brain through these hundreds of thousands of years of development had 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 few periods of, of beta and long periods of alpha. And what's happened in the last 50 mm. years, particularly since the internet, it's it's flip-flopped. It's flipped, yeah. And and we can stay in beta all day and all night if we're prone to worry. You know, where we wake up at 2 a.m. and as soon as we're awake and we've gone to the bathroom, man, all of our problems start showing up and then we're awake. And our brain is just grinding through all of these things that we have no control over. And we even keep lists of them on our smartphones. Oh, don't we? So that when we're in a slow period, like in line at the grocery store, we don't want to waste time. If I put that in air quotes, we don't want to waste time. So we're going to stay productive, right? So we pull out our smartphone and we get busy on our list or we start scrolling through our social media feeds. Um, we think that that's being more productive, but it's actually counterproductive. It's killing us. It's killing. You know, I uh, was at the watching my uh, grandkids play soccer the other day, mm -hmm. and I looked around at all these parents that were on their smartphones while their kids are out there playing soccer. Now, some are taking pictures, and I get that, but understand smartphones, everything on your smartphone is designed to interrupt the slower thinking processes. It's to engage that beta activity. That's right. Active engagement. Now the problem, the problem with staying in beta too long is the brain is designed to gather information 
And then mm-hmm. at a subconscious level, doing something that you're not even aware it's doing, it starts to organize the information. Right. Creativity is when you've got old information and new information that are connected. And the new mm-hmm. connections give the insights. But the only time that that organization takes place is when the brain is operating at a slower speed. And it's not something you do consciously. The brain does it unconsciously. And, And if you've programmed the brain right... The brain then starts to say, this is what they're inter- this is what my master is interested in. I'm gonna give him the answers or her the yeah. answers to these issues. Aye aye, Captain. And but if we never go to the slower brain state, our the, the, the creativity that we need and that we want never has a way to get to us. Okay. So this book that you've written. Pulls together what we know about the brain and links that up with what we know about big ideas that have happened in people's personal lives or that have changed the world. And there are common patterns. Now, I'm going to interrupt you here. Okay. Let let, let me just say this. See, the gamma gamma spike, we call it, or the gamma brainwave. That's the inspiration. That's when, what happens is it starts out on the right side of the brain. It goes and it encompasses the entire brain, this wave of neural activity. It goes back and forth to the front of the brain 40 times a second. Wow. Three tenths of a second after this gamma wave starts you have a conscious insight, okay? Interesting. Now, the only time the gamma spike takes place is after an alpha Alpha. moment. Not beta. Not beta. It doesn't happen in beta. It happens in alpha, okay? The the wisdom, wisdom, these better answers aren't created in the conscious brain. When you're consciously trying to figure out a solution... That's not where wisdom happens. It happens in the unconscious brain. But there's no clear path from the unconscious to the conscious. And so you have to get the brain in in a position where that information where can, can, happen. can happen. And in the book, we talk about three ways for, for insight to show up. One is through aha moments. The second is through paying attention to your dreams. There are a number of examples in the book about how dreams are really Mm. answers. I love the way that you've cued this up. And as we come back from this break, Craig, let's dig into some of the practical applications of the knowledge that we have. Does that sound good to you? You got it. And then I'll give you the third way that information is (laughs) transferred. The book is Big Ideas. The author is Craig Case, and he is here at Live On Purpose Radio today. We'll be right back. Do you dream of making a bigger difference more of the time? Have you thought about life coaching as something that you would like to offer? If you are an influencer or a speaker or a leader or a coach, this webinar is for you. In this webinar, I'll share with you seven important clarities that are absolutely essential to setting up a successful life coaching practice. If you're ready to take some courageous steps 
to add life coaching to the services you offer your clients? Register now at liveonpurpose.coach forward slash webinar. That's liveonpurpose.coach.com forward slash webinar. And we're back. Craig Case at Live On Purpose Radio today, author of Big Ideas. And as we dig into this, Craig, you just before the break were introducing us to some very practical ways to get there. And it occurred to me as you were sharing some initial thoughts about that, that this is one of the paradoxes in psychology. Kind of like holding a stick of butter if you try to grip it too tightly, you lose it. Hmm. You have to cradle it kind of gently. And I, I think I heard from you that trying to have an insight will kill it. Hmm. Hmm. Because it uses a different part of our brain. And what you've learned about the brain modes or states uh, suggests that we need to get into alpha first in order to facilitate that gamma spike where we get the insights or the inspiration. And maybe I summarized that unfairly, but... No, that's, that, that's it. That sounds accurate. So you started to lead us into what we can do. Can you give us some practical application yeah. of the knowledge that you've shared in your book? Yeah, it, it, we, we chose to give a lot of examples in the book of, of people throughout history who have who have made tremendous contributions to the world, either in the arts or the sciences. And the common themes that we discovered in all of them is that they all spent a lot of time just letting their brain unwind. Um, I had someone say, Ah. now that I've read your book, uh, every weekend I try and spend time in Alpha. And I, 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 I said, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> you don't grind through beta all week long and then go there on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> you, you, you need to, uh, and this is for, from a practical qu- uh, standpoint, every couple of hours, see what happens in the brain is the neurons that, that are all through your body, actually, and in your brain, they work via transmission of electricity. It's from a negative yeah. charge to a, or a positive charge to a negative charge. Which is facilitated by chemistry. That's exactly right. After a couple hours in beta, your brain starts to lose the, uh, the, the minerals that drive these positive and negative charges. Right. Potassium and sodium. And so try as you may to try and and grind through and keep engaged. If you go from one meeting to the next to the next is, is your brain isn't able to process information as effectively as it did when you first woke up. Right. So every, every couple of hours, if you'll take 10 minutes and consciously go to an alpha state, you'll find that you're, you can think far more effectively afterwards Mm -hmm. and that's why who was it stevenson who said i never make a decision late at night i always let the committee of sleep work on it as Uh, you as you don't ever make a decision before you've gone to bed sleep on it sleep on it because your brain during those sleeping hours is is it's doing two things the first half of the night your brain is actually getting rid of poison 
that it was created during the day in beta, and it's the glial cells in the brain. They're actually going through and dissolving um, weak thought. Okay, they're 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 interesting. They're they're uh, they're like pruning a tree. They get rid of this stuff so that complex thought can happen in the brain. Mm -hmm. The second half of the night. Um, the brain, well, now it's clean and, and it's got some space, it starts to organize and cate uh, categorize information. That's what's happening when you're dreaming, which is why dreamings are, dreams are so important. Oftentimes, if you're paying attention to your dreams, you're, you're getting answers to complex problems that you've, that you've got. So, so yeah. I said earlier, there are three ways for the unconscious to send information to your consciousness. It's through aha moments, through paying attention to dreams, and third, through writing, actually through handwriting. As you physically hand, physically creating the script. That's right. That's right. As you as if you type and you had an EGG helmet on, very few areas of your brain light up. But when you're writing, particularly in cursive, a lot of the areas of your brain start to connect. This is old school stuff. Oh, right? it is, but that's why journaling is so important. See, see. It's important to understand because the brain has evolved over so many thousands of years, it works the way it's evolved to. With mm -hmm. technology, although it allows us to move forward, the brain says, I'm not there yet. Okay, so if you want to treat me like you're treating technology, understand I'm going to push back. And this is how I'm right. going to push back. I'm going to make you feel anxious. I'm going to make you feel ah. worried. I'm going to make I'm going to make you feel stressed out. Okay? That's the brain's notice to you that you're mistreating it. <laughs> you're not being brain friendly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if you choose to be brain friendly, the brain will gift to you better answers. <laughs> Heads up, folks. People have asked me this all the time, Craig. Is it my brain or is it just my thinking or is it my body and my chemistry? Hello, that's all part of the same system. Mm. Your brain is a physiological organ in your head. It's part of your body and it fatigues just like any other part of your body can. You've described that staying in this beta state too often and too frequently, if we never let go of our smartphone, for example, if we schedule ourselves one meeting to the next where we have to be on and engaged, our brain is fatiguing and we're depleting some of the chemistry as well. Taking a break feels a lot in our current society and way of thinking. It feels a lot like wasting time. Like I'm wasting, I mean... 56% of Americans eat lunch at their desk. They have a working lunch. Exactly. I mean, let's stay in beta as long. I mean, hey, we, we all want to think we're the corporate athlete, you know, where I can mm -hmm. show up at 7 and work till 7 and I can get five hours of sleep a night. And, and all we're doing is killing ourselves. We have habitualized beta so long and we've habitualized how sick we are that we think how we feel is how we're supposed to feel. Oh. <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> you know, and this gets into some philosophy, Craig. I believe that our whole purpose is to experience joy. Mm. And when we are constantly pressured, we're not feeling it. Mm. 
are we? No, not at all. It's not wasting time to give your brain that needed break. Craig, I got a couch right behind you here. I'm a shrink. I got a couch. Okay. <laughs> I could spend some time on that. <laughs> you know what? If I get a missed appointment, or usually at the end of my lunch break, I turn off those lights, I lie down on that couch, and I do what I call a power nap. Hmm which is a brain-friendly exercise. It's not that Dr. Paul is lazy and takes a nap at the office. I understand that my brain functions better. If I'm feeling consumed by all of this beta activity and I know I've got a client coming in in the afternoon, what's the best way I can serve them? To have a fatigued, tired brain? (laughs) Or to be refreshed and ready for any insights or inspiration that can come to me that will serve that client? That's exactly right. That's I'm exactly glad to right. get that endorsement from you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You, you, you know, and it feels good, and I'm more joyful as a result. That, that's, that's it. But in the, the 70% of the glucose that you consume and 25% of the oxygen is used by your brain. Oh, it's a huge energy hog. Oh, it, it is. It is. I mean, I mean, it's, it's uh, what does uh, Michio Kuku, Kauku say? Uh, the brain is the most complex or uh, it's the most complex thing in the known universe. Right. Uh, it's 86 billion neurons with 100 trillion connections. You know, I mean, I mean, it's a remarkable thing, but we abuse it all the time. We think of our technology as being very complex and highly sophisticated. But guess what? It was all created by the human brain. Mm. And how could something that's created be more complex than its creator? Now, that's right. That's exactly right. In the book, Mm. we talk about how to find better answers. Now, the last half of the book. Um, we, we talk about the brain states, which gets us to gamma. Gamma, uh, they are just insights that can be world-changing. If you're trying to fix problems with your conscious brain, you'll come up with inferior solutions than if you allow aha moments to... In fact, there are some studies done uh, mm. by the authors of the book, the Eureka Factor. And, and the aha insights and solutions are about two-thirds more effective than than incremental improvement yes so so the second half or the second part of our book really is what are the five steps that any that that all these people have used and and step number one it's really coming up with understanding the the problem or the question okay most of the time we try and create solutions to something that's fuzzy. <laughs> We're not really clear on the problem. That's, that's exactly right. And the clearer that we can get on knowing exactly what it is we want answers to, the better. Yes. And, and the best way to get clarity is writing about it, okay? Because as you'll write, and uh, what it, writing does two things. Not only does it define the issue, but it tells the reticular activating system, that part of your brain that that sends information to different areas. Yeah, it's kind of like the traffic control. Yeah, yeah. It, writing programs the RES, the reticular activating system, what to pay attention to. 
Okay, and once the RAS knows this is what I'm supposed to be looking for, then you can go to step two, which it'll start to gather that information in. Um, when my children were young, I wanted a safe car. I started to do some research, found out that the Volvo was a safe car. I don't recall ever seeing a Volvo on the street, but after I did my research, they were Guess everywhere. what you were seeing, right? You know, and, and it's because the reticular activating system said, "Oh, is this what you want me to pay attention That's to?" That's important. I'll okay. I'll find it, and yeah. and so as you write about your problem, the RES starts to find solutions. You and then you write about them. Just allow those solutions to show up. They'll come from everywhere in the most places you don't even realize, and then you uh, let the incubate stage show up. Just where you kind of let it go. You take walks in the park. You go up in the mountains. And it's during that incubation time that the unconscious is saying, okay, I've got some answers here. How do I get them to you? And yeah. it will deliver them in aha moments, which we call this state of illumination. Where and, hmm. and we want you to carry a little journal with you. I mean, it can be pocket size, just because aha moments are coming often, but most of the time they come and they go. And when it, they go, yeah. they go. It can be fleeting. Right. And then the final stage is implementation. <laughs> it's all in the book. Yeah. <laughs> How can people get a hold of your book? It's called Big Ideas, forward by Stephen M. R. Covey, <laughs> who was on the show before you were. Mm. Um, co-author Jennifer Beckstrand. Um, Craig, how do people connect to you and to the book? Um, we have a website, bigideastraining.com. Bigideastraining.com. That's where our blog is and information. You can buy the book there or you can go to Amazon and we have it in all three formats. We have it in paperback, uh, Kindle version, and we have uh, an audible version. An audible version yeah. as well. Beautiful. Um, powerful ideas here that is consistent. Uh, this this I, concept we've been sharing with you today is consistent with everything that I know about psychology and brain science. It's fun to see uh, a conceptualization of this that is based on research and not just some kind of fly-by-night idea. Uh, that's something that you and I both feel passionate about. Mm, We've mm. got to have good reasons to pursue the things that we pursue. And you certainly have done that with big ideas. Thank you, Craig, for joining us at Live on Purpose Radio today. Oh, gosh, it was such a pleasure to be with you. This is a kick, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, it's great. Great fun. Folks, you've heard it from Craig. You've got your own big ideas that can be facilitated by applying the principles that he has shared with us. It's time now for each of us to go live on purpose.